0: is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh boy. What a weekend it's been for wrestling. Welcome to not sam wrestling. I think the yeah, the first franchise show, as we call the Monday show the franchise show. The first franchise show of 2020. First podcast of 2020, of course, went up on Thursday. Thursday not sam Thursday. Hopefully you've had an you had enough time before the weekend started to consume that amount of content because man if you're a wrestling fan, that is that I think is what 2020 is going to bring even more so than 2018 brought, even more so than 2019 brought. The burden on the wrestling fan of 2020 is going to be to consume the amount of content that we consume. Of course, you know, people they go, uh, if you if you like wrestling. There should be something out there for you. But let's be honest. Most wrestling fans don't want to watch something. They don't want to find the one form of wrestling that appeals to them. Most wrestling fans, just because of the way we're designed, are the hardcores. Most wrestling fans want to watch it all. And uh, that's the predicament that we're in. Because it becomes very, very difficult for us to watch it all. With the WWE Network. With the Fight TV app. With New Japan World, with the Independent Wrestling and Smart Mark Video, all coming together, there's just so much going on, and there's very—you've now the only excuse you have to miss anything now because it's all become so accessible. The only excuse to miss anything has become, I just didn't have time. There's only so many hours in the day. I'm trying to—I'm trying to have a life. I'm trying to live a life, but you know what? we're not really living a life unless we're doing our best to get as much wrestling into that life as humanly possible. Uh, of course, SmackDown on Friday, which was full of returns, a couple of turns and many returns. You saw the return of Sheamus. You saw the return of The Usos. saw the return of John Morrison, which is really stacking the deck for SmackDown. Heel turn for The Miz. I mean, that's what SmackDown was all about this week. And then... Friday night, late night, and now I feel for you UK folks. You always hear from the UK folks that will tell you every pay-per-view for us is in the middle of the night. Any of the UK folks that want to watch pay-per-view in the middle of the night, want to watch pay-per-view live, because of the time difference, it's in the middle of the night, okay? Once a year, we in America get to complain about that as well, and that's with Wrestle Kingdom. I saw some people, I I mean, it was driving me crazy. There were people on the West Coast going, I got a a pot of coffee on. I'm ready to stay up to watch the whole thing. I'm like, all you got to do is stay up till like 2, 3 in the morning and you can watch the whole thing. I knew it was bad on Saturday night when I was in bed with my phone, with the Fight TV app, falling asleep, watching Jushin Liger's last match because that was one of the earlier matches on the evening. And I said, this is going to be tough. I am still making a grand effort to try to catch up. I'm so far behind on everything Wrestle Kingdom. I've been trying to go to the, the must-see stuff. Of course, the Will Ospreay match, uh, the Jericho match, um, the main events. You know, there, There's a lot. There's a lot there. The Liger stuff, just because it's history. It's Jushin Liger's retirement. A lot there. That was late-night Friday and late-night Saturday. Earlier in the evening Saturday, I was on the independentwrestling.tv app, and a promotion called ICW, I think Impact Championship Wrestling, believe it or not, but ICW New York here in the States, not ICW from the UK, ICW New York in the States put on a show that was called No Holes Barred Volume 1. And it was, all the matches obviously were No Holes Barred, but it was beyond that because they actually replaced the ring ropes with chains, So it was a standard wrestling ring, except instead of ropes, it was metal chains. And then they had the, uh, you know, the platforms on top of the corner posts. So that, because it's going to be real tough to do your top rope maneuvers when the top rope is actually links of steel chain. So they had platforms there to do that stuff off. But they had death matches. They had razor boards. So At one point, one of the matches, they had a, a board, a wooden board made of hand saws. So it was like hand saws that were blade up, laid out across the wooden board so that they could just slam each other or throw the board onto somebody. And it's just like getting saws thrown on you. It was grotesque, but that's the stuff that I sign up for. I like seeing that stuff. Um, Tessa Blanchard had a match with Nick Gage. Nick Gage, by the way, is a deathmatch legend. I'd love to get him on the podcast sometime. Because I've been watching Nick Gage for years. Uh, He was a part of Jersey All-Pro when I was doing commentary over there. Uh, But he had a a no-holds-barred match with Tessa Blanchard. Intergender, no-holds-barred, chains for ropes, mind you. Tessa Blanchard came out victoriously and then called out Amazing Red for the next ICW New York show. Tessa Blanchard is just on fire right now. Um, Necro Butcher came back. He had retired Actually, I think I did commentary on his quote-unquote retirement match a few years back. I think he came out of retirement last year at Joey Janela's spring break show. But, I mean, he, he looked to be an old man when he came to the ring at this show at, at, at No Holds Barred. And I looked him up. He's only 46 years old. I couldn't believe what I saw. He's only 46 years old. But I guess death matches take a lot out of you. It made me watch the wrestler again, so I could see Necro Butcher in there, explaining to Mickey Rourke, Randy the Ram, how staple guns work in wrestling matches. I don't know. It was it was incredible, but it just made me realize. And he ended up giving his Choose Death T-shirt to Schlack, Schlack the deathmatch Man, at the end of the evening again. Another Schlack is becoming a legend in his own right on the East Coast. I don't know if he's all over the world yet. I know here on the East Coast he does death matches all the time. So, anyway. Huge weekend of wrestling, Uh, but today I wanted to do a special Not Sam Wrestling show. Uh, I promise you next week we're going to get back to our usual format, but today, because there's only so much time that we're going to have to really analyze the year before it happens, and I know we did a best of, not a best of, but a 2019 in review show, and we did a, a, a 2010s in review show with Wade Keller last week. On Thursday, we had to update because there was so much topical stuff happening. But today, instead of doing a traditional Not Sam Wrestling interview, which, again, returns next week, of course, I wanted to talk about 2020 and what I think 2020 should bring in the WWE and who specifically 2020 should belong to. So I made a couple of lists that I thought we could all discuss here today on the podcast. I made a list of, it's a list of three people. It's actually four lists of three people. I have a list of three people who I believe would be key signings to the WWE. I have a list of three people from Raw, a list of three from SmackDown, and a list of three from NXT who I believe have the potential to own 2020, to have, in some cases, a resurgence, uh, in other cases, a first coming to the wrestling world in the year of our Lord 2020. Um, so here we go. Here's what I'm thinking. I I, I think I'm going to start with, and and we'll talk about different superstars, but the people who I think will have a successful year, but will kind of... Continue to be having the year that they've been having, um, that's not so much what I'm talking about. These aren't the only people who I think will have success. These are just the people who I think will will change things for themselves. This is going to be a change, even more successful or the first success in some cases. So I believe that in 2020, there are three signings that I would like WWE specifically to make. When I was thinking about who I think WWE should bring on board, I wanted to keep it at least somewhat realistic. So I I avoided people, certainly anybody under contract with AEW, right? Because this isn't just super, super, super fantasy. I also avoided people that are under contract with Ring of Honor. And there is one exception to that, and that's my, my caveat. That's my fourth under the three. I think right now, out of everybody in Ring of Honor, I think WWE should bring in somebody who I think could be Ring of Honor champion today, somebody who I think is just so different and so interesting and just just peaks my interest every time I see him, and that's Jeff Cobb. I think WWE should have Jeff Cobb on their roster. I think that that he's not like anybody else, Uh, based on his size, his not only agility, but ability, his amateur background, for whatever reason, everything about Jeff Cobb in the wrestling ring compels me. And that's why I think he should be there. But he's not technically on my list because he's a Ring of Honor guy, and I didn't want to do a whole bunch of like Ring of Honor and and guys who are locked up under different contracts. Uh, And even though I say that, the first person on my list is clearly under a new Japan contract. Everybody says that Will Ospreay well, well not everybody, but a lot of people say that Will Ospreay is the best wrestler in the world right now. And CM Punk tweeted out something to that effect. Um and I you know, it's hard to argue that opinion. There was a a a gif going around of a of a back and forth that he had in his match at Wrestle Kingdom and, and you could you could certainly sit there and go, like, this is unbelievable. There's nothing like this. Can you imagine Putting this on an even bigger scale, but to me, somebody who I would love to see in the WWE, somebody who I think bleeds, oozes, exerts charisma, is Takahashi, Hiramu Takahashi. I, I and I, I've thought that since before he got injured. You can go back. I think probably two Wrestle Kingdoms ago, I said the exact same thing. But I think when I see Takahashi, there's just there's an instant eyes to the TV screen, I wanna see what this guy's gonna do. And it's not just because he's incredible in the ring, it's because he presents this character that goes beyond language barriers, that goes beyond sort of, it's just interesting. There's just something instantly interesting about this guy. And I would like, I mean, I think that a mouthpiece, I, I, I think he'd be good as like somebody's second, that would eventually betray them and become the first, right? So let's say, I don't know, like even even on a Drew McIntyre, if you had Drew McIntyre who was all business and Takahashi who was at his side just kind of pulling the puppet string strings but making it seem like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, no, you're the boss, you're the boss, but he's sitting there pulling the puppet strings. I would love to see something like that. I think that he could instantly fit in to the WWE, even if I don't know what his level of English is but i don't think it would matter i think that that you you as soon as you see that guy on the screen as soon as you see him walk to the ring as soon as you look at the pink hair and the fur jacket and the and the tights and the whole thing you you instantly understand what you're looking at and i feel like that transcends anything that is the entertainment value that is the it factor i think he's got it i think it goes beyond the ability to have a five-star match. I think he goes beyond the ability to cut a great promo. I think they, it's that intangible. People talk about the intangible all the time. And all I see is the it factor and the intangible from Takahashi. Every time I see him, I go, can you imagine how great he would be in the WWE? And I know a lot of you guys go, yeah, I can imagine. They would screw him up. That's the a lot of people's opinion on what WWE does. And that's fine. That's not my opinion. I'm a WWE person. I think that when you add WWE's production value, when you add their their sort of scope, that the, the the grandiose nature of everything that they do, and I wouldn't even put him in NXT. I would move him straight to the main roster. I would instantly give him character. It wouldn't be like, oh, here's this buzzworthy signing from New Japan. Let's see what he does. Hey guys, just give me a sec here. You heard Shorty G on SmackDown this week saying uh, rise to the size was his catchphrase, rise to the size. Well, if you want to rise to the size, and when I say size, I mean your peak size, then what you might need is blue chew. Yeah, blue chew. It's going to allow you to rise to the size that both you and your partner want your genitals to be, and it's going to allow you to do it all the time. You're going to be like a teenager again, always ready to go. Whether you have ED, whether you have confidence issues, it's all part of a plan that can be undone with a little bit of Blue Chew. Hey, increasing your performance, getting extra confidence, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Anytime, day, night, they're chewable. They hit you quicker, you can eat them on a full stomach, empty stomach, whatever you want to do. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in discreet packages. That means not only have they figured out how you can say bye-bye to flaccid penis, They figured out how you can say bye-bye to awkward situations where people at the pharmacy or the doctor's office might become aware of your flaccid penis. They figured it all out at Blue Chew. It's it's, it's, It's an amazing product. What it does, it allows somebody like me who's sitting there up all night watching Japanese wrestling, up all day doing podcasts, watching American wrestling, watching WWE. It allows me the opportunity to answer my wife when she goes, hey, Sam, are you ready to go? I go, I will be in a second. That's me chewing. I'm blue. Blue chew. And then I'm ready to go and Jess doesn't know what hit her. How do you think we got two kids? Okay, that's all I'm saying. Right now, if you don't trust me, that's fine. Because I'm going to give you the opportunity to try blue chew for free. You keep hearing about Blue Chew. When are you finally going to bite the bullet? And by bullet, I mean bite in to the actual Blue Chew itself and try it. You can do so for free. All you have to do is visit bluechew.com and use our promo code ROBERTS. It's $5 for shipping, and that's it. B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code ROBERTS to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. Trust me, you won't be upset about it. I would instantly, as soon as you get him, start writing story for him, not just have him pop up on screen and it's like, oh, cool, he's here. Because that happens so often. People who have like outside buzz, they come in and you're like, oh, those are the guys from Japan. And then it takes six months before any kind of traction builds up and you're sitting there scratching your head going, what happened? And it's because that due diligence wasn't put in to explaining to your audience who and what this person is. So I think you you instantly give them a place. You instantly give him a reason for being and you put him right there. So that's my number one. My number two, and this is also a pipe dream because at this point he could go anywhere he wants and at this point he's got friends basically everywhere. You could make the argument For him to go absolutely anywhere, and that man is the villain, Marty Skrull. I think think that Marty Skrull should go to WWE, and I think that WWE should get Marty Skrull. I think that, look, let's be honest. If he goes to AEW, he's not going to be the number one guy. If he goes to AEW, Kenny Omega's not the number one guy. You'd sit there and go, oh, well, of course Kenny Omega's gonna... Kenny Omega isn't even close to the number one guy over there. He's, he's like an attraction. You know? It's The way they've set things up, it would be cool, but number one, it wouldn't shock anybody because people would kind of expect that because of the history of being the elite, so nobody would be shocked. Number two, he's not the biggest star in the elite. So... The fact that the elite's not even the biggest stars on TV and he's not the biggest star in the elite would lead me to believe he would not be the biggest guy there. However, this is the one guy. NXT was on a run for a while of getting buzzed about people and having them show up at TakeOvers. When Matt Riddle showed up in the audience of TakeOver. A year before that, when Adam Cole ran through the crowd and showed up at TakeOver. When these moments happen... There's this buzz that collects about both the NXT product and NXT has done an amazing job of turning everybody who debuts that way into stars. If you had Marty Scurll show up at TakeOver WrestleMania weekend, unannounced as a surprise, he is instantly the biggest star in NXT. Instantly. Instantly. For sure, for sure, for sure. You know, I, I just don't, I, I, he would be, and it would be run right into Marty Skrull. And, and NXT is stacked so well right now that you wouldn't even have to go, well, okay, that means it's going to be Marty Skrull versus Adam Cole right away. It wouldn't be Adam uh, Marty Skrull versus Adam Cole right away. I mean, by the way, that would be interesting because of the Bullet Club history, we would get there. But we can do Marty Skrull versus Tommaso Ciampa. We can do Marty Skrull versus Finn Balor. We've got all these, ma- we can do Marty Skrull versus Johnny Gargano. We've got all these matches because that roster is so stacked right now that our main event caliber matches that are not your NXT championship match. I mean, you've got, Wow, well, actually you've got to take over in February, I believe, before WrestleMania takeover. So you have Marty Skrull come out and shock the world at the February TakeOver show. And then at WrestleMania, you do Adam Cole versus Tommaso Ciampa, Marty Skrull versus Finn Balor. You do Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa versus uh, 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 Marty Skrull. Tommaso Ciampa versus Marty Skrull? And then Adam Cole versus whoever. Keith Lee? Imagine that. Imagine if you go into WrestleMania weekend with a takeover that's Adam Cole versus Keith Lee. Tommaso Ciampa versus Marty Scurll. Johnny Gargano versus Finn Balor. Rhea Ripley versus whoever. And I've got my pick for Rhea Ripley down on this list. I mean, there's no show in the world that can compete with that. You had Marty Scurll? Onto that list, think about your main event scene in NXT right now. Adam Cole, Keith Lee, Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, five, five right there. Not to mention, at any point, there's a sea of people that could get turned into the next guy. You still got Velveteen Dream, who's Velveteen Dream. I was going to say Velveteen, and then I said Dream after it, so the emphasis was all over the place. But you still got the Velveteen Dream. I think Shane, Swerve, whatever. Swerve Scott is going to be a main event guy. I think Swerve Scott is one of the best signings NXT made in 2019. You got him, who you haven't even scratched the surface with yet. You got Trevor Lee. You got Dominic Dijakovic waiting in the wings. You got Damian Priest waiting in the wings. Like, you got... Dude, that roster in NXT is giving you the potential to put on wrestling shows that there is simply no match for anywhere in the world. And you put Marty Scurll on that list? For both NXT and Marty Scurll, you got something unstoppable, I believe. I think it's in both both parties' interests. I think Marty Scurll becomes a much bigger star, and I think NXT becomes an even bigger brand, personally. And maybe I'm an NXT homer. And I just love the brand so much that that's where I'm going with it. And that's true. I got my biases. But I mean, I think it'd be amazing. My third signing for WWE on this list is Killer Cross. I think Killer Cross could be very, very interesting because he's well-known enough that he's a notable signing, but he's not so well-known that you can't shape him into a very interesting character. He's got an amazing presence in the ring. He's got an amazing style because he's big, but he moves quickly. He knows how to use his feet right. He's got that stare that makes you believe that he's he's got he's got a coldness to him that you can't make up. You can't have anybody just do that. I think he's 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 uh, when I see him, I look at a guy who has incredible potential. I look at a guy who could be a lot of different things. And I look at a guy who have people like Shawn Michaels and Triple H and Terry Taylor and Albert and all the people down at NXT started to get their hands on him. Norman Smiley, boy, they could turn him into something special. I think that, that Killer Cross is the type of guy that could go to NXT and become a completely new entity. And I think he could be so successful that and this is not an insult to anything he's done before, but he could be so successful that you have forgotten everything he's done before. I think killer cross, but if he were to get signed early in this year and get on TV, you know, within the first six months, by the end of twenty twenty, you would you're talking about a guy who you would forget is not WWE homegrown. Because I think I think he could encapsulate what a WWE superstar is. So those are my three people. Takahashi, Marty Scurll, and Killer Cross. I think would be three blockbuster signings for WWE in 2020. I think that the, if they were to get signed by WWE, they could run things, and it would put WWE in an even better position in terms of the product that gets put on every week. Let's talk about the people who are in WWE, And who I think should capture this year like a lightning bolt in the sky. And I guess we'll start with NXT since we're talking so much about NXT. Um, And I think the obvious people to say uh, will run 2020 are like Keith Lee and Rhea Ripley. They are not on my list. Not because they won't run 2020, but because number one, it's very obvious. And number two, they're already set up to, right? Like Keith Lee... Is already he's already been elevated to that main event level in NXT. Rhea Ripley has already won the NXT Women's Championship. It is a given that going into 2020, Rhea Ripley and Keith Lee are the female and male superstars who have risen in the last year to that level. If anything, their accomplishments would be the journey they took in 2019 to arrive at where they're getting to in 2020. I don't think... When you're looking at who is going to dominate 2020, I don't think it's fair to say, well, who's dominating in January? That's who's going to dominate 2020. Also, I don't think it's a very interesting conversation to have on a podcast because, uh, duh. So that's the only reason those two people aren't on my list. Dominic Dijakovic, also not on my list, but also worth talking about. You know, Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee were neck and neck since October, right? The, on the first episode of NXT on USA, it was Dominic Dijakovic versus Keith Lee. And that rivalry kind of took place until right around November. And Survivor Series hit, and it brought Keith Lee to a whole new level that Dominic Dijakovic has not gotten to yet. Dominic Dijakovic, as we just talked about, is not in the main event scene in NXT right now. He's one step away from that main event scene. So that's somebody to look at. Could he get to that main event scene very, very easily? Will he? We'll see. And the thing about NXT is there are that roster is so packed with so much talent that it becomes very, very difficult to break through. And let's say a Marty Skrull, a Killer Cross, a Jeff Cobb, let's say somebody like that shows up in NXT. They would get elevated very quickly. They're coming with some buzz. Would they get elevated past guys that have been working there already? It's possible. So NXT is a unique beast in that way. However, I think Dominic Dijakovic is somebody with the potential to make a big impact in 2020, but not somebody who's on my list. My list of top three goes like this. Number one... And I'm not sure, I don't think that this person will make their impact in NXT. I think that this person will make their impact outside of NXT, but right now they're an NXT superstar and that's why they're on this list. Number one is Shayna Baszler. I think Shayna Baszler losing to Rhea Ripley was not about, it was about two things. It was obviously about elevating Rhea Ripley, but I do not think it was about Shayna Baszler taking a back seat in NXT, and allowing that title to be moved throughout some new talent. I think that it was about Shayna Baszler freeing herself of the NXT Women's Championship to go off and start doing some new things. There is a... It is not coincidence or accidental that at the end of Survivor Series, even though Becky Lynch was in the Hogan position, even though Becky Lynch had her hand in the air at the end of the night, Shayna Baszler won the triple threat match, as I predicted on the kickoff show, by the way. Shayna Baszler won a triple threat match with Bailey and Becky Lynch, okay? That didn't happen by mistake. Shayna Baszler was a huge part of NXT's dominant run at that Survivor Series. To have her lose the NXT Women's Championship a month later, I believe, has to mean bigger things for Shayna Baszler. I believe that Shayna Baszler will absolutely be in the Royal Rumble. I would not be at all shocked to see Shayna Baszler win the Royal Rumble. I do not think, I believe that Shayna Baszler will be competing for a women's championship at WrestleMania. I do not think it'll be for the NXT Women's Championship. I think Shayna Baszler will either be competing for the Raw Women's Championship or for the SmackDown Women's Championship. When you look at a superstar like Becky Lynch, Becky Lynch is in this position now where she is not an underdog anymore. She is not that scrapper. She has proven her dominance over the entire women's roster. She has proven that she is the dominant force in women's pro wrestling in the WWE. She needs challenges. The reason this Royal Rumble match with her and Asuka is so compelling is because she hasn't been able to beat Asuka, but one would have to believe that Becky Lynch is going to beat Asuka at the Royal Rumble. Who is left to challenge Becky Lynch? You've got two options. Either Ronda Rousey needs to return to the WWE to challenge Becky Lynch, which is very, very possible, and or... Shayna Baszler needs to resurface. I mean, you felt the electricity when Shayna Baszler and Becky Lynch were nose-to-nose heading into Survivor Series. The last time I felt that kind of energy was when it was Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch that were getting ready to compete at Survivor Series the year before, the match that never happened. We still haven't seen that one-on-one Becky Lynch-Ronda Rousey match, by the way. However, I think with the Ronda history, as well as now with the history that was leading into Survivor Series between Becky and between uh, 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 Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler is positioned, I'll say, to be the next threat to Becky Lynch and to be a credible threat to Becky Lynch. I think 2020, that's what you're going to see. And I wouldn't be shocked if in 2020 we saw Shayna Baszler beat Becky Lynch. I would not be shocked if Shayna Baszler were the one to take the women's championship from Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch would do well to have a challenger that she cannot defeat. Becky Lynch would do well to have a tree that she just can't climb. And I think Shayna Baszler may just be that tree. And that's a story you could tell. It would take six months, at least the first six months of 2020 for you to tell that story. WrestleMania is not till, you know, April. Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch. I mean, look, you could tell a similar story with Bayley, sure. I could see Shayna Baszler winning the SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania, but I really think that Shayna Baszler is the challenge that Becky Lynch needs in the Raw Women's Division. And that's why why she's on my NXT list, because she is an NXT superstar, but I believe she will ascend to brand new heights in 2020. Uh, a second person who I believe will ascend to new heights in 2020. You look at NXT and you look at the roster that they have. And you could say Adam Cole is going to continue to rise. And I think Adam Cole will continue to rise. But I think Adam's Cole, Adam Cole's 2020 will probably be about consistency. You know, I think Adam Cole's 2020 will be similar to Roman Reigns' 2020, for example. I think Adam Cole is the Roman Reigns of NXT. He could go the whole 2020 keeping the NXT championship around his waist. Wouldn't shock me. Adam Cole is the face of that brand. However, he's not on my list because I think that that will be more about consistency than it will be about raising to brand new heights. I think he rose to new heights this year because of the rise of NXT, which nobody could have predicted because of the move to USA. But... I think the guy I'm looking at to be the next guy on the NXT roster to really rise up is Damian Priest, formerly known on this podcast as Damian Archer. Damian Priest, I believe, will be the superstar to rise either to the NXT main event scene or to show up on Raw or SmackDown as a big star. You know, I mean... If it were me, I would seriously consider allowing Damian Priest to go on a three-month, four-month run in NXT, just beating everybody. And then at the Raw after WrestleMania, I would have Alistair Black say, you know, nobody has beaten me, nobody, I'm, I'm still looking for a fight. Have Aleister Black beat everybody leading up to that. And then have Damian Priest walk down the aisle and say, Aleister Black, I'm here to answer your challenge. I think Damian Priest and Aleister Black together would be money. I think if you build Damian Priest from now until the Monday after Raw as this unstoppable beast in NXT, you're dealing with something really cool. Who knows? Maybe you can build Damian Priest to the point that you've got a Damian Priest-Adam Cole NXT Championship match at TakeOver WrestleMania weekend. Maybe. There's a lot of ways you could do it. More than one way to skin a cat, as they say. But, you know, I think you could spend the next however long building up Damian Priest in NXT, and have him show up as a surprise to challenge Aleister Black on Raw the Monday after WrestleMania. I think you're on to something if you do that. I think it could be really, really cool. My third pick for NXT to take over 2020 is going back to the women's division, where we started with Shayna Baszler. And this pick, I know the first two picks, you're like, well, you don't even have them staying at NXT. And Damian Priest could stay at NXT. I mean, I think it would blow people's minds if Damian Priest were the one you know, maybe come summer to finally take the NXT championship off Adam Cole, I think that'd be huge. You could go that direction too. But I think when you look at the NXT women's division, something that Rhea Ripley did by winning that title from Shayna Baszler was she injected new life into that title. I think that Shayna Baszler being so dominant over the NXT women's division... Really did leave us to the point where, you know, you would go into Takeover going like, yeah, it's gonna be a great match, but of course, Shayna is gonna win, and that's why I said it on the Takeover kickoff shows every time. I started 2019. By saying what I said about Bianca Belair, everybody was uh, aghast. I can't believe you said that. But it was true. Nobody thought Bianca Belair was going to beat Shayna Baszler. Nobody thought Mia Yim was going to beat Shayna Baszler. Nobody thought Shayna Baszler was going to get beat by any of these people. After she beat Kylie Sane to start her second run as NXT Women's Champion, nobody thought anybody was going to beat her. Rhea Ripley finally... Defeating Shayna Baszler and winning that title means opportunity for a lot more women on that roster. You can tell a story with Dakota Kai where she climbs those ranks. Dakota Kai could be the person to beat Rhea Ripley. Defeating Rhea Ripley is not defeating Shayna Baszler. Dakota Kai is not beating Shayna Baszler. Nobody on that roster is beating Shayna Baszler, except Rhea Ripley, I suppose. But Dakota Kai, this new attitude of hers, maybe she's the one to beat Rhea Ripley. Maybe Tegan Knox comes back and she beats Rhea Ripley. Maybe Bianca Belair has what it takes to beat Rhea Ripley. But to me, I believe that Rhea Ripley winning that NXT Women's Championship opens the door of opportunity for everybody, but especially for my pick in the women's division to have the greatest rise of 2020, and that is Io Shirai. I think... That you keep EO Shirai away from that NXT Women's Championship for a long time. And you have EO be EO. Evil EO Shirai is just as good as it gets for me on NXT television. There is no reason in the world that you can't turn EO Shirai into the most credible threat on the NXT roster to the Women's Championship. There is no reason in the world why you can't, over the course of several months, get to a point where you present a match that is Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai, and you've left us all thinking, I don't know if Rhea Ripley can beat Io Shirai. I think this has to be done after WrestleMania. I think you can start now, but I think this has to be done down the line. I think this might take all the way to SummerSlam. You keep Io Shirai away from that women's championship and you have her beat everybody to the point where there is nothing you can do but give her an opportunity at that women's championship. And that's when you look at Rhea Ripley and you go, I don't know if she can beat her. In the meantime, maybe you have Rhea Ripley just squeak by Dakota Kai. Oh, Dakota Kai almost beat her. Maybe Dakota Kai does beat her, And then Rhea Ripley wins it back the next week on TV or something like that. Just so you can show that Rhea Ripley is beatable. Rhea Ripley's title reign should not be dominant the way Shayna Baszler's title reign was. Rhea Ripley's title reign should be very, very vulnerable. Rhea Ripley's title reign should feel like it could end at any moment. As as amazing as Rhea Ripley is, we should use this opportunity to show how incredible that entire women's roster is. And, sh- and and make it so that when you walk into a takeover special, you do not know who is walking out with the women's championship. Yeah. And that's where Io Shirai can come in. And that's where Io Shirai can continue to have these great performances. And that's where Io Shirai can become the most credible threat to that women's championship, maybe even win the women's championship and leave 2020 in such a greater position. I mean... If Shayna Baszler is the champion, Io Shirai is not beating Shayna Baszler. There's only so far Io can grow. Shayna Baszler is not the women's champion of NXT anymore. The sky has become the limit for Io Shirai, in my humble and personal opinion. And I think that you could end up in an opportunity where there is no stopping Io Shirai. So those are my picks for NXT. Shayna Baszler, Damian Priest, Io Shirai. Shayna Baszler, I see going to another roster imminently. Damian Priest could go to Raw to challenge Aleister Black, could stay on NXT to maybe win the NXT Championship over the summer. Io Shirai, I see staying put in NXT and becoming an extremely dominant threat to Rhea Ripley's NXT Women's Championship. As we continue to break down what 2020 could be, in WWE, I, I want to remind you guys, Not Sam Wrestling is a completely independent DIY podcast. And the why is yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. There's a lot of ways that you can support this podcast. It's how we get by. Firstly, of course, you can join us on Patreon. You can become a Not Sam show at patreon.com slash not sam wrestling. There's a few different tiers, but tiers start at less than than one dollar a week and for less than one dollar a week you can get every podcast early you can get every podcast ad free and you can get access to our discord room that's exclusively for not sam shills and active 24 hours a day seven days a week of good people talking about wrestling, including yours truly. If you don't want to pony up any dough, no problem. Go to iTunes, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Five stars, some nice comment. It would be terrific if you could do that for me. And also cost you no dough, go to youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. youtube.com slash notsamwrestling and hit the subscribe button and watch some videos. YouTube's got all kinds of rules about when you're allowed to monetize content, and minutes watched count. So if you could go to youtube.com slash notsamwrestling, it is a brand new wrestling-centric YouTube channel. Subscribe to that channel. Watch the videos on it if you could. It would all be such a big help. Let's get back to breaking down what could happen in 2020. Let's move over To Monday Night Raw. Now, of course, when you look at the stars of Monday Night Raw, some will, I think, remain consistent. I think Brock Lesnar is going to remain Brock Lesnar. There's nothing to worry about when it comes to that. Um, Drew McIntyre, you know, I think could have a good year. But I don't think has ever had a bad year. Will this be the year that Drew McIntyre breaks through? I hope so. I hope so. But even if he does break through, I don't think that will shock the world. I think it'll. if he were to win the Universal Championship, I think it would just be like, okay, finally, the crown has been placed on the king's head. Here's who I think will turn things around in 2020. And I say turn things around specifically in talking about my number one pick. And this is going to shock people because you would think that this superstar is just simply going to remain consistent. But that's not true because 2019, in my opinion, was not a good year for this superstar. And based on the changes that we're already seeing, I think 2020 will be a much better year. I think in 2020, we see the return to the dastardly heel ways of one Seth Rollins. I think Seth Rollins is going to go back to being in a place in 2020 where we look at him and we go wow, this guy could be the guy, the main face of the company. When Seth Rollins cashed in his Money in the Bank briefcase at WrestleMania uh, 31, yeah, at WrestleMania 31, WrestleMania push play button in Palo Alto, when Seth Rollins had his run as WWE champion, and he was a bad guy, people looked at him like, okay, once this guy is good, He's going to be the biggest star in the company. Things started to go wrong with Rollins after he got injured. You know, they put together that package, that that video package. It wasn't, I guess it was a whole special that they put on the WWE Network. This documentary of Seth Rollins recovering from his injury. It was like two years ago or, or more maybe at this point. And I thought it was the best thing that I had seen since the... Triple H video when he was gone with his quad injury, when Triple H came back from his quad injury, he was the biggest good guy in the company. When Triple H in you know the early two thousands, two thousand one, two thousand two, whenever it was, when Triple H came back, I want to say two thousand one, and he announced he was going to be in the Royal Rumble, and he did it at that Raw at Madison Square Garden. They had sat there and they had advertised, this is Triple H's return, this is Triple H's return, this is Triple H's return. They waited until the very end of the show. They went to commercial break. They said Triple H is back next. His music hit when they got back from commercial break. He came out in his leather jacket with his denim vest over it, and he didn't wrestle, he didn't do anything except announce he was going to be in the Royal Rumble that year. The ovation that Triple H got When he came back after that leg injury, and it's because of the work they had done uh, on the the promo videos. It's because of the work they had done showing Triple H's recovery. It's because the work they had done giving people time and reason to think about all the good work Triple H had done, both as a good guy and a bad guy in WWE. It made it so it was undeniable. When Triple H came back, he was the biggest good guy in the company. And people were ready to cheer for him. I felt the same way about Seth Rollins. And when he came back, he came back as a bad guy. I was there when he came back. He was cheered when he did that surprise run-in. I think it was in Long Island. He did that surprise run-in. Everybody lost their minds. But he was a bad guy. Even though you had already shown this special on the WWE Network about how amazing this guy is, there is no way you could watch that special at that time and not have Seth Rollins be your favorite wrestler. Seth Rollins was my favorite wrestler after that, documentary aired I said that's my favorite wrestler the whole world said that when they watched that and he came back and we were expected to boo him and it left us befuddled it left us confused it left us disappointed we threw our hands in the air we waved him like we just didn't care and it muddled everything it muddled Seth Rollins eventual uh good guy turn it muddled the whole thing to the point where now you're left with a guy who is a good guy but he's giving Brock Lesnar a low blow at WrestleMania so he can win in the opening match. And you're like, this isn't the moment. WrestleMania 31 was the moment. WrestleMania 35 was not the moment. I think Seth Rollins is going to do work in 2020 that leaves us ready for him to finally have the real moment moment. I think Seth Rollins is going to do work in 2020 that leaves us remembering why he is our favorite wrestler. Seth Rollins is going to return to that dastardly Seth Rollins, is going to make us appreciate him so much that we have no choice but to sit there and go, that guy's the best wrestler ever. We just love him. And that's when we can start to have the discussion again about maybe he's the guy. But I think he's going to have a return to that in 2020. I can already see the seeds planted. I love everything he's doing with authors of pain. I love the stuff with Kevin Owens. It's it's finally working. It's the first stuff that Kevin that Seth Rollins has done and that has worked since like before WrestleMania, which is almost a year ago at this point. You know, I think the stuff he did with Becky Lynch didn't help matters. Um, You know, it was just it didn't work for him this year. I think it's going to work for him in 2020. I think Seth Rollins is my number one pick on Raw. My number two pick is also, has to do with the same storyline. But I think there is an appreciation for Samoa Joe, the likes of which we have not felt before. Samoa Joe was only beginning to kind of flirt with the idea of being a good guy before he got injured and disappeared for a while. Now that he's back, we missed him because he wasn't competing. We found out he's excellent on commentary. We're re- we we want to cheer him anyway. And now he's giving us reason to cheer. I think Samoa Joe, as long as he's been wrestling and as long as his career has been, I think Samoa Joe is going to have the best year of his career in 2020. I think Samoa Joe is going to reach new levels. I think that the conversations that we had about Samoa Joe and that I've had on this podcast with Samoa Joe about never, you were not supposed to be this guy. You know, we talked to Samoa Joe and we go, you weren't supposed to be a main roster superstar. You weren't supposed to be on Raw. You weren't supposed to be in this scene. You were supposed to be a guy who worked in NXT but then still worked indies. You weren't supposed to get to keep your name. You weren't supposed to get to keep your look. You weren't supposed to, this wasn't supposed to happen this way. But he came in and he was undeniable from the, from the jump which all of us wrestling fans knew from his work in Ring of Honor, from his work in TNA, from everything that he had done before. We had been sitting here going, of course Samoa Joe should have been here years ago. But Joe didn't sweat it. He came in. He was undeniable. And things worked out. I think Samoa Joe has improved. I think Samoa Joe has has refined his craft in a way that a lot of people didn't even realize he still could. And I think Samoa Joe is going to have the best year of his career in 2020. I think Samoa Joe is going to be looked at as a potential top good guy in WWE. I think by the end of 2020, you'll be looking at Samoa Joe and Seth Rollins as two people who could potentially be the biggest good guys on Raw. That's what I think about Samoa Joe. I think, and and you'd sit there and you'd go, well, you know, what do you mean? Samoa Joe, every year has been Samoa Joe's year. That's true. But it hasn't really. I mean, Samoa Joe has had how many title matches? He's lost all of them. He loses all the time. He loses constantly. He's just really good at making us believe that he could win. Really good. I think 2020 is the year that Samoa Joe starts to win. I think in 2020, all of us who believe that he can win are going to be proven true. Because I think he's going to start winning a lot of matches in 2020. I think he's going to continue to be undeniable. I think he's going to raise the level. I think it could be a very good year for Samoa Joe. I think Samoa Joe is going to have a year in 2020 like AJ Styles did in, was it 2018, 2017? Whatever was that like super hot year for AJ Styles as WWE champion. AJ Styles, by, by the way, AJ Styles is still having amazing years, but there was a year when I believe AJ Styles was the number one performer in WWE. It's either 2017 or 2018, probably 2017. I think Samoa Joe could potentially have that year in 2020. If Samoa Joe stays healthy and he stays on course, and I think he will stay on course. I don't think that's a risk. I think you could be looking at Samoa Joe having being the top WWE superstar by the end of the year. That's what I think. Uh, And number three is another person who you would think would go on my list of guys who are just going to be consistent. But for me, it goes beyond that. Number three on my list is somebody who's been in WWE forever. By the way, WWE front row in the Discord room says, uh, Rollins is a top-level performer, but I'm never clear on how I feel about him, to your point. Muddled is the right word. Exactly. We're going to... Seth Rollins is in a position now where we're going to know exactly how to feel about him. Seth Rollins, we want to kind of boo Seth Rollins because it's like, what are you doing, dude? Seth Rollins is giving us reason to boo him. We, he is leaning into the way we're kind of feeling about him. And I think that Seth Rollins' performances are going to make the way we feel feel so connected, right? Right? Because that's when you really are onto something. When there is a feeling in you, and it feels connected to what you're seeing. Sometimes we feel a, a certain way about you know superstars, and we feel a way about them, but it doesn't feel connected to what they're doing. There's a disconnect. You're just like, I, yeah, I feel this way, but it's not. Doesn't really reflect what he's doing. I don't know. That's the muddling. Seth Rollins is getting out of the mud, and he's a good enough performer. He's going to be able to do that. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe's always good at getting us to feel a certain way about him, but Samoa Joe has been at a seven for most of his WWE run, between a seven and an eight. Samoa Joe is gonna be in nine and 10 territory in 2020, in my opinion, and somebody else who I believe is going to have another hot year in 2020, potentially. Somebody who I wouldn't necessarily think that I would have felt anyway about. Somebody who I would think in my head, I'm like, okay, I think that they've already had their best years. And now we're just going to have this performer around to have big matches and maybe put people over. I'm rethinking all of that. I think 2020 could be a marquee year on Raw for Randy Orton. When I saw Randy Orton go over to Raw, I was confused. When I saw Randy Orton start to turn into a good guy, I was confused. But the seeds that I see being planted and the feeling that I get from Randy Orton, which is the number one thing that I base these decisions on, how do I feel when I see these performers in an arena or on the television screen? I am more interested in Randy Orton today than I have been in years. Years. I don't feel like Randy Orton is just there to, like, I felt like for a long time, Randy Orton was being used as almost like an in-between guy, like, well, we've got this person and we're not quite ready for him to get the big story that we're counting on. But we don't want to start something new. So let's do something with Randy Orton for two months before we hit this really big story. And I think that's the position Randy Orton was in. Randy Orton, let's uh, between storylines, let's let's have him do some stuff with Randy. Randy will get him over and it'll be good. And, it, and that's the way it worked out. Randy got people over and it was always good because Randy Orton is incredible. But I think that 2020 is the year that we remember to care about Randy Orton. And it's interesting. You look at the guys on Raw that I'm calling out. And this isn't the case in the other rosters. But on Raw, I think we're going to see, it's going to be a a career renaissance for all three guys. Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe, and Randy Orton. I think Randy Orton is actually going to get to a place where we get hungry to see him win the title again. I'm interested in a Randy Orton, AJ Styles story. I told you that last week. I told you that on Thursday. I'm interested in Randy Orton versus AJ Styles. I kind of want to see Randy Orton win. And I kind of want to see him go further and further, you know. I want to watch the Royal Rumble and think to myself, how great would it be if Randy Orton won? What if Randy Orton won the Royal Rumble and went on to WrestleMania to face Brock Lesnar? All of a sudden, I have faith that a story could be told that I'd be interested in that match. And if you asked me that last year or the year before, I would tell you, no, that would be terrible if it happened. I'm sure the match would be decent, but it doesn't feel fresh. It just just didn't feel fresh. Now, I feel like you could get something fresh. There's something about Randy Orton right now that feels fresh, that feels rejuvenated, and maybe it's because he's a good guy and he's been a bad guy for all this time. I believe in Randy Orton, and I think that 2020 is going to be one of those years for him that people talk about for a while. I have complete and utter faith in that man, Randy Orton, going into this year. I think it's going to be really, really good for him. And I think he's going to pull some stuff out that we haven't seen before. You know, I, I love the angle that they did on Raw last week. It was so perfect because it encapsulated the character that Randy Orton has been building for, you know, the last all these years, that the Viper. The fact that he pretended to be injured and then busted that RKO out of nowhere, that's the Randy Orton that we've all gotten to know. Except he's you, the, the, the character has been tweaked and the story shifted so that it makes sense that Randy Orton is a good guy. It made sense. It felt logical. It felt like Randy Orton had a reason for being, a motivation, and I had a reason to cheer Randy Orton. I think 2020 is going to be a big year for Randy Orton. I really, really do. Bigger than the last however many years for him. I think it could be I think it could be major. I think Randy Orton could have a better 2020 than Drew McIntyre. But I mean I I adore the idea of a Randy Orton Drew McIntyre rivalry at some point this year. You put a nice story behind that and you, and I think you're off to the races. I think it could be really great. All right. We got one more list to go down. And that's Smackdown. Now look Roman, I already talked about. I think Roman's going to have another incredible year. Every year that Roman has is incredible. I think it's easy to say the Usos are going to be standouts in 2020, but that's because we're excited about them. They literally just came back on Friday. And, you know, it's hard to believe at this stage in their career that the Usos wouldn't have a great year. The Usos are incredible. But I don't I don't know that 2020 is going to be any better than some of their other years. Um, you know, I think Daniel Bryan's going to have a really good year, but I think he had a really good year this year. I don't know that 2020 is going to be that much better than 2019. I think he's going to continue to be one of the top stars on SmackDown. I think The Fiend is going to continue to be one of the top stars on SmackDown. I think The Miz is a big X factor. I think The Miz had a very, very bad 2019. Um, He could turn it around in 2020, or he could continue to kind of coast. We'll see. Remains to be seen. I'm glad that he you know, is, is a bad guy again. I'm glad he had a bit of a heel turn on SmackDown. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But my picks are not based on what happened this week or last week or whatever. My picks are overall feelings and the way people could grow into this decade. I mean, into this year. My number one pick for SmackDown. Somebody who I think could have a st- very strong heel title reign, somebody who hasn't in all their time on either Raw or SmackDown, hasn't had that definitive heel title run that I think could run the roster if she was given the opportunity to have it is Sasha Banks. I think Sasha Banks, as women's champion of SmackDown, to me— Sasha Banks is the number one woman on SmackDown. Sorry, Bailey. I think Sasha Banks is number one on SmackDown right now. I think she had a tremendous return, tremendously impactful return to WWE over the summer. Um, I think the story of her being gone is a great story when we talk about the stories of 2019. Uh, I think that the fact that she came back as a bad guy and has this ego about her only adds to the legend of the fact that she was gone and why she was gone, um, and and I, I I think that Sasha Banks needs to have that title on her. You know, honestly, I wouldn't mind Sasha Banks double turning on Bailey. I think if Bailey were a good guy with attitude, I think it would still be fine. I think you could now that you've had Bailey turn heel. Change the hair, change the attitude, got rid of the wacky wobblers. I think you could turn Bailey into a good guy and have her not be a hugger, don't bring back any of the old stuff, just be this Bailey with attitude, but have her be a good guy. I think it would be the best thing for her, quite frankly. And I think if you had Sasha Banks turn on her and then take the title from her, I think you got money, man. I think Sasha Banks is a natural heel, that original boss character in NXT. It's just one of my favorite characters of all time. I mean, you guys remember, if you guys have been listening to the podcast long enough, years ago, I couldn't stop talking about how great Sasha Banks was on NXT. And I think that a 2020 revamped version of that character, the boss, the bad guy, heel, is exactly what the doctor ordered for Sasha Banks. I think her taking that women's championship hostage and not letting go of it, holding the entire division hostage because nobody can get that women's championship off of her. She's running around telling everybody she's the boss and nobody can prove her wrong because they can't get the title off of her to save their lives. I think it'd be money. You know, I think she's 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 got the potential to be one of the strongest, if not the strongest, villainous women in in the industry. You know, I think probably Shayna Baszler a little more so, but a different type of villain. I think Shayna Baszler is more of a a, a monstrous, undefeatable villain, and Sasha Banks is more of that chicken villain. You know what I mean? More of that personality based villain, whereas Shayna Baszler is more like a Brock Lesnar type villain you got Seth Rollins-type villains. you got Brock Lesnar-type villains. You have Sasha Banks-type villains. You have Shayna Baszler-type villains. And I'm ready to see Sasha Banks really go into that. She cannot be the top bad guy wrestler, women's wrestler, on SmackDown or in WWE until she's got that blue title around her waist. I think she's going to win the title this year. And I think she's going to do it as a bad guy. And I think she's going to—I hope— She brings a reign of terror down on SmackDown. I think it could be really great. Somebody else who I think should be a bad guy. I think, and this is a caveat here. I think if this person goes to the dark side, if this person turns heel, and really a bad guy, really a heel, I think this person could be really, really successful. I think they desperately need it, and I don't think that they're ever going to go higher than they are right now as long as they are a good guy and that person is Ali I have been waiting since Kofi Kingston took Ali's spot in that elimination chamber match to Ali to finally for him to finally get fed up you know Kofi had this dream come true run and Ali got nothing nothing And the opportunities that he has gotten since then haven't panned out. Ali has every reason in the world to be bitter. And that's the Ali that I want to see. I want to see Ali upset about the cards that were dealt to him. I want to see Ali just get fed up with it. I don't want to see Ali be the light for anybody. I want to see Ali because, you know, when you are trying to help everybody, there are certain tweaks that you can make. And everybody's dealt with this in their real lives. You've got people that are are nice people and they're always there for you. But there's this personality type of a person who is quote unquote always there for you. But it's really easy for them to become condescending. It's really easy for them to sound like they're they think they're better than you. You know what I mean? There's a such a fine line, and you've all dealt with it, I've dealt with it. When you've got somebody that's there to help you out. Oh, let me show you how to do this. Oh, don't worry, I got your back on this. And when you don't really need help, man, I don't need I got this. You know, what I, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't know. Oh, oh, excuse me. It's very easy to take that personality type and turn it into something that is unlikable, and condescending. You don't have to do much to Ali. You don't have to turn Ali into this dastardly, villainous person. All you have to do is push those traits on Ali, those traits that Ali is now the light, right? Anybody that says, I'm the light, and I want to bring you guys into the light, I want to be the light for you guys, is one step away from being the guy who's like, don't worry, I'll be your light. And you being the guy going, I don't need a light. I already have, I am my own light. Nobody asked for your help. Well, you know what? You do need me. I'm better than you. Ali is, is as a character, is two steps away from coming across like he thinks he's better than people. So why not lean into that? He clearly needs a refresher on things. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's not... People are, 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 for lack of a better term, a little bit used to him. He's not surprising people. He's not this guy like, oh, you can only have potential for so long before you have to execute on that potential. Eventually, potential goes unrealized. And Ali is in that territory now where it's like, yeah, I mean, he's got all these good traits, but he hasn't gone to the next level. He's, exact, he's been stagnant for a year. So clearly we need to make a change. And I think the change that we need to make is to have Ali come out and to come across like he thinks he's better than everybody. And I think if if you had Ali coming across like he thinks he's better than people, I think he could easily do it. And I think he could become a bad guy pretty quick. And having him do terrible things, but I'm doing this for you. Don't you understand? I'm doing this for you. Why are you mad at me? I'm helping you. Don't you understand? You've got to learn this lesson somehow. I'm here to teach it to you. Really. Now you're my teacher. You know, I, I You know. I just, I think that that's what I see for Ali. And if he goes there in 2020, it could be a great year for him. I think he could be one of the top bad guys on SmackDown. But that's the attitude that he's got to have. That grating attitude. My third pick for my people who should own WWE in 2020 on SmackDown is somebody, look, my fantasy for the Royal Rumble is to have Kofi Kingston win the Royal Rumble and go on to WrestleMania to compete against Brock Lesnar. I think the fact that Kofi Kingston's dream come true post-WrestleMania season, the fact that it has gone sort of by the wayside, like, yeah, I guess that happened. Anyway, moving on, is a tragedy. And I think that the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania is where we can make good on it. You know what I mean? We haven't even, there there hasn't even been a conversation about the idea that Kofi Kingston should get either a rematch against Brock Lesnar or a title match against The Fiend. He's just back to being in tag team matches with The New Day. So, I'd like to see Kofi Kingston have another rise. But he's not the guy who's on my list. My number three pick for SmackDown is somebody who I think is due. And is due not quite as much as Kofi was in 2019, but not that far off either. I think 2020 could be the year of Big E Langston. I think Big E could have himself a year in 2020. I think 2020 is the time when Big E needs to stand out as a single star in NXT. 2020 is the time where we have to put all the pieces together, where we not only realize that Big E is very entertaining, but that he's stronger than just about anybody on the roster, that he can destroy just about anybody on the roster. I think 2020 is the year that we need to remember that he's a big man that's capable of tremendous, incredible things. Not just gyrating, not just doing splits. And maybe it means changing up the gear a little bit. Maybe it means a lot of things. But I think 2020 is the year that we start to realize Big E's potential because we simply haven't gotten there yet. It doesn't mean breaking up the new day. I don't think that he needs to necessarily turn heel and turn on the new day and blah, blah, blah. But I think that Kofi Kingston got to be the breakout star of the New Day in 2019. And I, I still believe that Kofi Kingston should be maintained at that level. But I also think that Big E Langston... Big E, I'm sorry, I keep saying Big E Langston. I think Big E needs to have a 2020 where he gets to be the breakout of the New Day. Where we get to be reminded that Big E is quite the draw in and of himself. I think... I think 2020 should be the year of Big E, among other things. So there you have it. Those are my lists. My nine people who I think should own 2020 for the WWE are Shayna Baszler, Damian Priest, Io Shirai, Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe, Randy Orton, Sasha Banks, Ali, and Big E. And if WWE could have their pick of anybody to join that roster... I'm going with Takahashi from New Japan, Marty Scurll, the villain, and Killer Cross. Marty Scurll, I believe, is not signed yet, and Killer Cross, I believe, is unsigned at the moment. So there you have it. That's where I want, see, hope 2020 is going. Uh, I'm going to get to your emails next week. Uh, not next week. Thursday, not Sam Thursday. I will get to your emails. So email them in. NotSamWrestling at gmail.com. Make sure you're checking the YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash NotSamWrestling. Lots of great content going on there. I've got a lot of big ideas for this podcast to continue to evolve in 2020. I mean, we've been around forever, so we got to keep doing new things, keep getting fresh. We'll be back next week with another interview. We'll be back Thursday with another episode of Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. This has been where I see and hope 2020 goes. We'll see you on Thursday. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Read, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from Xfinity. Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible XFi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed.